This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. I'm Uma Paganampake Pagan, and this is Bookmark. On the show today, debut author Angie Thomas joins me to talk about her brilliant new book, The Hate You Give. The heroine of The Hate You Give is a 16-year-old black girl caught between two worlds. Her name is Star and she lives in this predominantly black and poor city neighborhood, but along with her brothers, attends this ritzy, mostly white prep school on the other side of town. Now, the book opens with Star at a party with her neighborhood friend, Kenya. Um, she's acutely aware of how she code switches and she feels quite unsure about her place in the local scene. A gang dispute leads to shots fired and she flees with Khalil, her childhood best friend whose path kind of diverged from hers when she went to prep school and he started selling drugs. Now Star and Khalil have nothing to do with the violence of the evening but they are stopped by a policeman on their way home. The cop shoots Khalil in front of Star and Khalil dies. And thus begins this masterful exploration of race and violence in America. Okay. Hi, my name is Angie Thomas, and I am the author of The Hate You Give. So, I absolutely love the book. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I, I, it still amazes me when people tell me that, because as the author, I'm usually hard on myself. <laughs> And um, I hear it from my agent and I hear it from my editor and I'm like, oh, they're supposed to love it. So it's great <laughs> when I hear that readers love books. So thank you so much. So tell me this, Angie. I mean, I read a lot of American fiction, but am I right in thinking that yours is the first piece of, I guess, mainstream American fiction to be inspired by the recent events in America and the Black Lives Matter movement? I mean, there's been stuff on television and... I mean, movies have covered quite a bit of it in documentaries, but what about YA fiction? I haven't read much that covers this particular area. Um, well, there are two books that actually influenced me, and they actually kind of gave me the strength to do my own. Um, one is All American Boys by Jason Reynolds and Brendan Kiley, and the other is How It Went Down by Kekla Magoon. Um, both of them dealt, deal with the movement in their own way, and both of them are young adult books, and they both have gotten critical acclaim here in America. Um, I think All American Boys just recently hit the New York Times bestseller list, actually, and it's been out a while. But um, they're both great books, and they both give different perspectives on it. And we're seeing more books now even um, about the Black Lives Matter movement in young adult fiction. Um, there's another book coming out this year called Dear Martin. And there's a book coming out next year called Kylo Johnson Was Here. And both of them deal with the movement in their own way. So we're seeing more books come forth. And I hope we see even more books come forth that deal not just with the Black Lives Matter movement, but with social justice, period, especially in this um, political climate that we're in at the moment. I think the thing I loved most about it was how in the first three chapters, you give me, I mean, everything happened so fast. And you give me everything I need to know within those first three chapters. I mean, the notion that someone at the age of 16 would have already witnessed the murder of or the death of two of her best friends. It already sets up her personality and the world she's living in in as concise a way as possible. And I, and I thought that was just great. Thank you. Thank you so much. A lot of that 
a lot of the stuff in those first three chapters I took from either my own experiences or experiences of friends of mine. So I'm glad to know that I did a great job with that. It was very important for me to make Star as real as possible as soon as possible because I knew that the weight of the story was literally on her because the weight of this case was literally on her. So I wanted to make her as real as possible as soon as possible because that would also allow the reader to hopefully connect with her sooner and to understand what this young girl was going through. And I feel like if you can get a reader to connect with the character and understand it and begin that that empathy in the reader, I feel like it makes the journey that much more rewarding. Yes, and I think I did connect with... I connected with Star almost immediately, and I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that your opening two chapters had this incredibly cinematic quality to it. And I know when some people say that about literature, they mean that insultingly. I do not. I I love it when literature has a cinematic quality because it's like those opening few minutes of this really intense film or television show that keeps you wanting more. I actually wanted to write scripts. So I'm glad to know that I I um have a cinematic <laughs> feel in my novel. Um I I love I honestly movies influence me a lot. Sometimes more than books when it comes to writing because I feel like with movies we do get that immediate action sometimes that we may not always see in books. And that was a big thing for me with this novel because I wanted it to be an immediate thing and I wanted to start it out almost as a movie because as I was writing it, I saw it as a movie in my head. So I'm glad that they came through on the page. So talk to me about your points of inspiration then. You said that you you took inspiration from your own life and the lives of your friends. Were there any particular incidences that influenced this book or were they ripped from the headlines? Well, um, there were a couple of particular incidents, not in my life personally, but things um, from the headlines. I first wrote it as a short story back in 2010, 2011. This was after the shooting death of Oscar Grant, who was an unarmed young black male in Oakland, California, who was gunned down by police. And at the time, I looked like Star. I was attending a mostly white, upper-class college, but every day I was going home to what we will call the hood. Um, And it was a 10-minute drive, but in those 10 minutes, I went from one entirely different world to another so I was a lot like Star in trying to figure out who I was where I was and having to adjust and having to assimilate and having to code switch and when the Oscar Grant case happened I remember hearing two very different conversations about Oscar at home he was one of our own we knew Oscar we saw Oscar every single day basically but at school he deserved it And I was angry, and I was frustrated, and I was hurt, and the only thing I knew how to do was write. So I wrote it as a short story. But um, some of Star's experiences as far as even witnessing the death of a childhood friend, it didn't happen to me personally, but I do have, I did grow up with friends who witnessed things like that. And I, I had classmates who lost their lives to gun violence accidentally. So I understood those feelings to an extent. But a lot of her school experience and her neighborhood experience, even the characters in the neighborhood are influenced by people that I saw every single day and that I know even now. Um, and when they read the book, they're going to be surprised to see themselves in it. But a lot of her world was influenced by my own world. And I guess that 
conversation, that point of discourse gets amplified all the more these days with Twitter and Facebook and misinformation and people taking glee in the misfortune of others. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I noticed that like a lot of times with these cases where unarmed black people lose their lives, it becomes political in so many different ways, even through social media. But for so many of us, it feels personal. And I wanted to make this feel as personal as possible in my book. And I also noticed, like you were saying, that it does seem to be, especially with social media, it seems to be more about the like about the headlines than about the people. And we sensationalize it. And we um, we use sometimes these lies to make a point when we're forgetting that these were actual human beings. And I wanted to bring a little more humanity to it. I think I have every episode of Fresh Prince memorized in my head as well. <laughs> you know, I've had a lot of readers who've read, like the advanced copy who told me that I've renewed their interest in the Fresh Prince, so I feel like I've done my due diligence. So <laughs> I feel like I accomplished something by doing that because that show is amazing. And I think, um, I, I hope I show how important that show is to so many young people of color. I've heard that from a lot of people from like all over the world, how much the Fresh Prince is really just, how much it um, spoke to them. And I know for me personally, uh, seeing it and seeing a family that was not a black family in the hood on the television show, it was eye-opening. I love that show and I'm so glad that I'm getting people to look at it again. So you do something incredibly interesting And I think it works very well. In the chapter where we witness the shooting, you lay it all out for us. So the reader witnesses it along with Star and knows exactly what happened as it happens, right? And at the same Mm -hmm. time, because we are privy to all of that knowledge, every moment in the book in which someone provides some sort of counterexample or opinion about what happened, it just makes me or it made me just all the more angrier. And I was raging. Mm-hmm. I was raging at that interview, at the police interview, which Star had to go through. Yeah, I, um, it's funny because that was honestly influenced by a lot of what we see with a lot of these cases. Um, take, for example, Trayvon Martin. They, the media and the accounts, a lot of them, they made him out to be a thug. Um, they made him out to be... Uh, yeah, they made him out to be a thug, and you know they they put certain pictures out there, and they would portray him in any kind of way that they could to basically make it seem as if this young man deserved what happened to him. And we see that unfortunately a lot, and we see it when misinformation gets out, we see it when biased opinions get thrown in, and we see it when biased accounts get thrown in, and it muddles everything. And it unfortunately the victims become victimized even more. Because instead of us focusing on the fact that they lost their lives or the fact that they were wrong in this, we're looking more at what they did wrong or what we think they did wrong so often. So that and that was a big influence in the book, especially when Star would hear other opinions on it or other accounts about what happened when she saw what happened. And I wanted it to make I wanted to make it so that because so many readers have reached out to me and they said. I read that and part of me thought, 
well, maybe what if he wouldn't have fell with so and so? Maybe he wouldn't have gotten shot, and I had to check myself on that. And that is exactly what I wanted people to do. Um, I wanted people to look at themselves and think, okay, why is it that I am so quick to say, well, maybe he shouldn't have, or maybe he should have did this, or maybe he should have been more this, or maybe she shouldn't have been done this. Maybe I need to check myself and say, this person just shouldn't have lost their life, period. If you could do me this favor and paint me a picture, because Malaysians, we read all the headlines and and we often follow the news about everything that goes on in America. And, you know, we, we, we talk about Trayvon Martin in our news programs and we cover those stories quite diligently. And yet, I think for many a Malaysian, they don't necessarily grasp what life is like for a young black man in America. Um, there seems to be a target on young black men. I know personally living in Mississippi, I see signs of it through even laws that are being passed just to criminalize young men for how they dress. Um, the whole saggy pants thing. And you may not like saggy pants, but that's not a reason to give a young man a criminal record. But in America, we have an issue where young black men, black men, period, are criminalized where they're, where there's racial bias, where young black men are often seen more so as criminals than anything else, where we see young black men aren't given the same opportunities as their white counterparts. I know plenty of young black men right now that I grew up with, and they should be in much better predicaments than they are. And you can say, you know, well, they need to just pull themselves up out of their bootstraps, but there is still a lack of opportunities available to them. Because if a young black man is jailed for any small thing, even, it ruins his chances of getting basically much of anywhere in life. So we need that we have a we have a systemic problem here in America, and young black men don't benefit from it. They are victims of it. And we also have a problem where young black women even are victims of it. We have a problem where young black women, um, they aren't seen as criminals as likely, but we have an issue where young black women are more likely to be suspended from school than white girls. Um, they're more likely to be put in juvenile detention than white girls. And we have an issue with that as well. And I think um, we have an awakening in America, especially now with the current political climate where people are realizing that we do have a systemic problem where people are realizing that this can be changed and people are realizing that it takes all of us to make some changes. So I, I'm very optimistic despite everything at the moment, but um, I hope that in the end, in the near future, let me put it this way. I hope that in the near future, we reach a point where young black people are given the same opportunity as their white counterparts, no matter what their social economic status is. And, and, and here's the thing. You would have written your book in a very different America in which your book is being published. I did. And that must be quite surreal. It is. It is. Um, I, but you know, it's interesting to me because I was not surprised by what happened with our election here in um, the state. And in some ways, it feels like this does not change a whole lot for Black America. And what I mean by that is Black America was already having issues. Black America was already having struggles. And the new administration 
yeah, it's going to make some things a little worse, but we were already going through so much as it is. So I think that um, when I wrote the book, I, I Star's World, in its own way, was away from all of that. <laughs> it was her world was its own thing, and I tried to make that as clear as possible because the unfortunate thing is the things that were happening in Star's World were happening before this election, and they're going to still happen after this election. No, you're absolutely right. It's the hyperbole and over-optimistic state that America was in in 2008, imagining some kind of post-racial miracle was probably, well, we know it was far-fetched. Right, right. We saw, um, unfortunately, we saw with the, with a black president, we saw that racism was very much alive and well because we saw it rear its head even more because he was in office. Unfortunately, and that's not saying he did it. No, I'm saying that people who are racist had became more vocal because of him being in office. And post-racial America, it, it doesn't exist yet. <laughs> so, which brings me, which brings me to my next question, which is. What are you hoping this book will do? Because your target audience is a great one, right? Your target audience is and are young people in America. Well, my biggest hope is that the book will help people understand that empathy is more powerful than sympathy. And I think that empathy is one of our greatest weapons because when we understand how someone feels and we understand why they're angry, why they're hurt, why they're on TV protesting, why they're rioting, when we understand that, we're more likely to fight alongside them. And I think that this issue of Black lives and how much they matter, it takes more than just Black lives fighting for Black lives. It's going to take more than that. So I hope that it will reach young people who maybe look at cases like Michael Brown or Trayvon Martin or Tamir Rice or Sandra Bland and those young people who don't see themselves in them. I hope they find a way to see themselves in them and they find a way to make their own voices heard. But for the young people, especially young black kids who see themselves in those cases, I hope that my book provides them a mirror and gives them some hope in some way, but it also gives them a way to see that it's okay to feel the way you're feeling. You're not alone in feeling this anger and this hurt and this frustration, but you're not alone in the fight either. So that's my ultimate hope for the book. So I'm going to ask you one more time, Angie, in this age of Donald Trump, you're still hopeful and optimistic. Um, I am. And the reason I say that is because we see now more than ever that people are invested in what's happening with the government now. We see people protesting. We see people going to town halls. We see people making calls. No one is lethargic anymore. People are actually taking action and making their voices heard and making themselves visible as voters and as citizens of this country. And we're no longer just sitting around letting things happen. We're fighting them. And I, that makes me optimistic, if nothing else, because the resistance is real and the resistance is strong. So I hope that your listeners will know that we're not giving up over here. <laughs> Angie Thomas, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And it has been wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Go read Angie Thomas's brand new book. It's called The Hate You Give, and it's now available at all good bookstores. You've been listening to Bookmark on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.